Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Hello, hello. Good to see you all today. Everybody live out there? All right, but before we start, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, if you're married, you're going to have to let go of your spouse's hand because I know you're holding hands right now because you love each other. Uh, If you're at home watching, let go of their hand. I want you to take your hand. I just want you to pat yourself on the back. If you're at home, pat yourself on the back if you're watching. You need to encourage yourself. Sometimes it's good for us just to encourage ourselves. You got out of bed. You came here to church today. No matter what the week was like, no matter what the day was like, no matter how much your kids were uh, getting on your nerves, You came here to church. So give yourselves a hand. Thank you for being here with us today. Let's also uh, get ready to give it up because we have some people that are live streaming uh, on our online campus. We have people from the NYC because I'm from New York. That's why I don't sing up here. So NYC, good to see you in New York. Cambodia, Georgia, and India. So let's give it up for all those people watching. My name is Michael Singer, and uh, I am on staff here at Freedom House. Most of the time, I am at our Lake Norman campus, uh, but I'm also on our teaching team. And so that allows me to go to other campuses when it's, when it's my opportunity to stand up here and share something with you. So I, it's good for me to be back at the central campus because I've been at this church for almost 17 years now. So the central campus used to be the only campus, and it was my hub where I got all my love. So thank you. For all the people over the 17 years that, is, that have impacted and changed my life, the great relationships, the faces I love to see, uh, those of you that are just new and don't know me, you got another 17 years to impact my life, so I look forward to that happening. Thank you for doing that. And it's all because our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell, decided to start this church. I've seen God do a lot in my life, and I am very thankful for them deciding to start this church because it means a lot to me and uh, all that God has used this church to teach me and grow me in, in my relationship with him. Now we're in this series and this series is called crop circles. And it's all about miracles, specifically the fact that motion, uh, miracles are in motion and God is always trying to show us and do something in our lives that is bigger than what we can explain by ourselves. We, that we understand that, Hey, this couldn't happen by my power, by somebody else's power. It's only because God did it, and that's a miracle. As we start today, and we get into really talking about the detail I want to explain and discuss about miracles, I want to read two verses of Scripture. Both of them are going to be in Proverbs chapter 14. So the first one I'm going to read is Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's some way that I think personally is right, But in the end, it could lead to death. We go down to verse 15, and Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. When I read these two verses and was looking at them, there was something that triggered in my brain. For me, these two verses show me something and make me think about the fact that there is a gap between one thing and another thing. There's a gap between what I think is right and what God thinks is right. 
There's a gap between I'm just going to simply follow whatever and do whatever and actually taking the time to think things through and what the steps might be. I want to label this gap today. I'm going to call this gap the revelation gap. It's the gap where we have an opportunity on when we're thinking what's right, but also trying to figure out what God wants us to do. When we're in this gap, we have an opportunity to allow God to reveal himself to us or not. Banana. I love bananas. Now, for about 30 years of my life, when I would peel a banana, I would hold it. I never had a microphone in my hand when I peeled bananas. And I would peel off the top just like this. This is the big stalk. It's easy to grab. It's, it's just simple. It's obviously the way that I should peel this banana. Most of the time, that worked okay. However, when there was a banana like this that wasn't quite as ripe, I would have these moments that were almost moments of death for me. Because when I would go to peel it, it wouldn't snap easily. And by the time I got it loose, sometimes it would split down the side. The top didn't even pop off. The whole top of the banana would just be mush, and I would be so frustrated and angry. Until one day, I believe it was in our church office about eight years ago, I saw someone peeling a banana in a way that I had never seen before. They had the banana upside down, and they took it and peeled it from the bottom. I can about guarantee you, if I would have tried to peel this banana from that top, this thing would have been just mushed up, smushed, and I don't even know if it would have opened. Do you know this revelation of how to peel a banana has changed my life forever? <laughs> I have never picked up a banana and peeled it that way that I couldn't peel, but there were times when I peeled a banana the other way that it didn't work out so well. Imagine being at a zoo and you're peeling your banana and if that monkey could talk, you're looking at him, he's like banging on the glass. No, you gotta peel it this way. That's what the person said to me that day. Have you ever seen a monkey peel a banana? They do it all the time. The best, the best way to get revelation on how to peel a banana is watch the one that does it all the time. You know, God is banging on the glass of our life. And he goes, I've been around the block. I built you. I designed you. I want to reveal something to you. Will you just peel the banana the different way? I know it's worked out occasionally for you. But there's been those moments where it's been tough. Turn the banana upside down. There's a revelation gap. And God is saying, I want to show you something that will help you all the time. Not just some of the time. And I think there's one specific thing that God wants to reveal to us. And we see it in a story that I'm going to read where Jesus is talking to his disciples. It's a story in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. There's a statement I want us to leave here with today. If you don't think about anything else, think about this. Who a miracle reveals is greater than what a miracle heals. Who a miracle reveals is greater than what a miracle heals. Miracles prove to us there's a God because we can't do it by our own might. But if we get focused on the what that happened and we miss out on who God is, then a what will only sustain us for a moment, but a who will sustain us for a lifetime. This is why I believe in this verse when Peter said, you are the son of the living God. He had been around and experienced the who that Jesus was to the point that he could allow God to reveal this to him. And I believe that Peter, because he had tapped in and understood that God wanted to share who he was in the revelation, that's what allowed Peter to get past the fact that he denied Christ three times when Jesus was going to the cross. That's what allowed Peter to move on and share with everybody around the world about a loving God that sent his son to die for them so their lives could be forever changed. That's why he was called the rock. That's why what he said, Jesus said, the thing that you've said I'm going to build my church on, on the who that I am, that's the rock, not the what that I'm doing. I believe that whenever we begin to get a revelation of who God is, I think it creates a thread in our life that actually allows us to see more of the miracles that are in motion in us and through us and around us to all the people that we interact and encounter in life. Who a miracle reveals is far greater, and God has a greater desire to, to reveal the who than what the miracle heals. We can always ask the what. It's okay. But in asking the what and seeing the what unfold, let's find out the who that is behind that process in our life. There's a story uh, in John chapter 4 that illustrates this idea of moving from just the what to the who. And it's right on the heels of this miracle that Jesus did. He meets this Samaritan lady, not a Jew, Jews and Samaritans. They didn't like each other at all just because they were Jews and Samaritans, just because of their nationality. Samaritan lady at a well, Jesus has this encounter with her, and he says things about her life that are going on that there's no way he can know, and it just blows her mind. This miracle of telling her what her business is stood out to her and revealed that this guy was somebody else, such to the point that when he revealed who he was and that there was something more, she accepted that revelation because she, she encountered the who that Jesus was. She got so excited, she ran back to the village and told all the people, all the men and everybody, and they came to Jesus. And here's where we pick up the story in John chapter 4, verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Her testimony being that he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days, and because of his words... Many more believed. Now check this out. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. 
These people said, the what that happened to you, that was good and helped us believe. But that didn't sustain us. Now we've hung out with this cat for two days, and we know who he is. And that is what will sustain our belief beyond just what you've told us. When we get this revelation of who, then I believe we begin to enact and engage with three weapons that God gives us to battle through life. The first thing is that revelation gives us courage. Our first weapon that God wants to give us as he, re as he reveals who he is, is courage. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Gideon that I think is a great example of someone that allowed God to reveal himself enough to where he really got courage to do something. Gideon is found in Judges chapter 6 and 7, and I'm going to read a little bit in there, but I just want to tell you the story that's taking place. Gideon is, is in a time of the Israelites, the children of Israel, the people that have relationship with God. He's in a time where they are after the big dog leaders like Moses who led them out of captivity, after Joshua who led them to the promised land, and they're in the promised land at the time of Gideon before any kings are around. They're in the promised land, but they no longer are in control of the land that God gave them control over. And the reason why they're not in control of that land anymore is they're being oppressed by the other people groups around that area that they had defeated to take that land that God had promised for them. But they didn't listen to what God warned them about. He said, be careful mixing in with all these people and doing what they do because you're going to start worshiping their gods. And I'm the one true God. I'm the God that's led you out of all this. They're not doing that, so they've disobeyed God. Sounds like somebody I know, me. Might even sound, you might even think, like, well, I've disobeyed God once or twice. I believe we've all disobeyed God in some way, shape, or form. We're no different than the children of Israel. They find themselves at this time of Gideon where they would be oppressed by people God would raise up a judge or someone who would listen to him and, and set them free from that oppression. But then they would go back to their old ways of not listening to God and they'd be oppressed again. It's just this cycle. And we come to this cycle where it says the Midianites, the people of Midian, they are oppressing the, the Israelites, the Jewish people so much that the Israelites are hiding in caves and the crevices and rocks because anytime they plant their fields, the Midianites come in and take everything and the Melchites and all these Eastern people and they're just scared. And they're crying out, God, why have you forsaken us? And God's like, I didn't forsake you. You're the one running away from me. Serving all these other idols, all these other gods. Serving and doing what you want to do, not what I want you to do. And so Gideon is sitting by a tree and the angel of the Lord comes. And he says, Gideon, I am with you. And Gideon's like, what? You're not with us. God has abandoned us because we're being oppressed by these people. And then he says, Gideon, mighty man, through you, I'm going to defeat the Midianites and you're going to wipe them all out and Israel will be free from that oppression. Gideon said, hold on, man. You don't understand. I'm Gideon. I am of the least clan of my tribe, the very least. And not only that, I'm the least in my family. How many times have we looked at God and said, God, you got the wrong person? I can't do this. This is my past. I've been in this relationship. I messed this up. God, I can't do this. 
He goes on and Gideon says, well, hey, look, you wait here. I'm going to go get a, a sacrifice. So the angel waits, which I find hilarious that the angel's just waiting on him. He goes to his house. Gideon prepares a goat. He makes some bread. He carries in a basket a pot full of broth from where he made the goat. Sounds yummy, don't it? <laughs> took the goat back and took the bread. And he said, now, here's what I need you to do. So I really know that this is God. I need you to show me that you're really wanting me to do this. Like, this is God asking me to do this. So the angel of the Lord said, all right. He said, put the meat and the bread on the rock and pour the broth out. Angel of the Lord took the tip of his staff and he just touched the top of the bread and the meat. The rock caught on fire and burned so hot, it burned up all the bread and meat. And Gideon said, got it. That's enough. You're an angel of the Lord. This is God speaking to me. I just had an encounter. I just, had, I just got something revealed. This is God asking me to do this. We're all good. He went and built a, a sacrifice, tore down an, an altar that was praising these other gods. And he tore it down, built a new one, and made a sacrifice to God to thank and honor him and worship him for his presence. Story goes on. It says that the, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the eastern people moved into this valley. A whole bunch of them. And at that time, God said, it's time, Gideon. It's time to go fight. So Gideon called all the people in his tribe. He sent messengers out to the other tribes of Israel. He said, hey, guys, I need all y'all to come. We're going to fight a big army. Let's all get together. He gets the army together. But Gideon's not really ready to go out. He's got a little bit of courage, but it's, that meter still needs to turn up a little bit. He said, all right, I got all the people together, God, but I'm going to need you to just show me a little sign. I'm going to put this fleece out. And in the morning, if the fleece is wet, but the ground is all dry around it, then I'll know it's you. He did it. That's exactly what happened. It says he took the fleece, and when he squeezed it out, it filled up a bowl with water. He said, now don't be angry with me, God, because I still just need you to do something else. Let's reverse that process. Why don't you make the fleece dry and all the ground wet around it? And so God did that. How many times have we said, God, I'm going to need you to show me to make sure this is good? I think we live a fleece life. So now Gideon has courage that we can do this. They take off and God says, hold on, Gideon, your army's too big. Okay? He said, I just want you to ask a question to the people. If any of you are trembling in fear, just go on home. There were 32,000 men that Gideon had. You know how many were trembling in fear? 22,000 left and went home. That's not good. I don't know about you, but I would be scared. 10,000 men left. And then God said, you still got too many people. I'm like, have you left? What? He said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to that river, and I want you to allow the men to drink. The men that pick up and cup the water in their hands and lap the water like dogs so that they're looking up and paying attention. Take note of those, and then watch the guys who just kneel down, put their face in the water, and drink the water from the river, and they're not really up looking around. There were 300 guys that lapped like a dog out of 10,000. 300. Uh, God said, all right, get in. That's the ones I want you to take, is that 300. They head off, and then they're sitting above the valley, it's at night. The Midianites and all the other armies are in the valley. Now, let me give you an idea how many people they were. 
The Bible says that there were so many people in that valley that it was like locusts on a field. It also said there were so many camels to try to count them would be like going to the beach and trying to count the grains of sand. That's a lot of people, 300 versus that many. And then we come to this place in Judges where they're above this valley, haven't attacked yet, and Jesus, I mean, sorry, God says something to Gideon. He says in verse uh, 9 of chapter 7, During that night the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid, if you're afraid to attack, then go down to the camp while you're with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Remember, God said, if you're afraid, go down to the valley. I believe if Gideon's courage meter would have been as high as what it needed from all the times God had revealed, he'd have been like, nah, I'm cool. I'm ready. Let's do this. You don't whittle my men down to 300. Surely you're going to do something. But he didn't. He was still a little bit afraid. And he went down and he heard two of the guys in the camp talking about a dream that one of them had. The one guy said, hey, man, I had this dream last night. And here's what happened. There was this big loaf of bread and it rolled down into the valley and it hit this Midianite tent and just blew it away and destroyed it. And the other guy said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that means that the Gideon and the Israelites are going to destroy us during this battle. We don't have a chance. Gideon heard this. I believe a smile went on his face. And it says he worshiped God and he went back up. And after he went back up, there's something that reveals to me that he had enough revelation of God that his courage meter was so high that he was ready to take action because God did not tell him what he was supposed to do. He went back so filled with courage because God had revealed himself so many times. He went up and he said, here's what we're going to do. They defeated all of the people of Midian. And it was because Gideon had an angel reveal that he was God by burning up some bread and some meat. It was because Gideon saw God reveal himself when he laid a fleece out and he knew that God's presence was there and who God was was going to help him. It was because God had put on the people's heart fear through that dream and Gideon had an encounter with God and God was revealed to him in a way that he had the courage to be able to take the next step. Do you know why God chose the least of the, the clans in the tribe and he chose the least of the one in the family. Do you know why God whittled that army down from 32,000 to 300 men? Let me, let me share with you why God did that because God told Gideon why he was doing it. Judges chapter 7 verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon when he's whittling down his army, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me and say, my own strength has saved me. God said, if I don't show them who I am, they're going to think they did it in their own power. How many times have I walked through my life thinking I've done something in my own power and not recognizing that it was really God who allowed me to do that? Even when I'm able to get up and take a breath every day and go to work, I regularly don't think about the fact that God has allowed me to do that. I think, oh, Michael got up out of bed even though I didn't want to. On Michael's own strength, God is the one who did that. 
I believe that God wants to reveal himself and who he is to us so much so that we have courage. Not just to battle the, the tough, uh, you know, physical, outward things, but I think mostly to battle the inward voices that go on in our lives. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world. There's a lot of just hate and things being revealed. Those are all outward surface expressions of what I believe is a hurt inside of a lot of people. It's a real hurt. And it's being expressed in a way that's not helpful, not healthy, and it's destructive because our body will always try to get us back to a place of peace and will say, this is your peace. Come take this. Take this addiction. It will rest you from the inside. Anytime we're unrest internally, there's something that is going to pull on us. And we have to decide, is God going to pull on us or not? Jalea and I recently, just to give you an idea of some of the internal battle in my life, Jalea and I were recently checking out this new tool we plan to use after we've done something a certain way for years and years. And we're reading up on how to use this new tool and all this stuff. And immediately while we're reading it, I just began to go, like, I was negative about everything. And I was questioning, not asking questions. I was questioning about whether or not this was really going to work. And I was telling Jalea, I don't think it's going to work. This this ain't going to work for this, 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 all this stuff. She's like, I'm excited about it. I mean, we've never done it. I think it would be worth trying. I didn't even want to give it a chance. And she said to me, Michael, do you have a hard time, or sometimes do you have a hard time with change? And this wasn't anything new for me, but it was another moment for me to come face to face with that inward voice that was causing me to respond in an unhealthy way. Because I said, you know what? I'm okay with change, but I'm not on the extreme on that spectrum. There are some times where I don't like change that much, and this is one of those times. And what I realized is that I was letting all those internal things causing me to react negatively and question something that I didn't even never checked out. I didn't even give it a chance. It's not anything harmful. I wasn't even ready to let it pan out and see if it was going to work. And God basically in that area says to me, Michael, I've already revealed myself a lot of times to you, but just know that this will never end your whole life. I want to reveal and reveal and reveal. So you have to decide, Michael, do you want to have the courage to allow me to reveal myself in a way such that it helps you when you're challenged with this idea of change, it helps you to not respond in an unhealthy manner, but respond in a way that I've revealed myself to you and trust me in this process. Revelation will give us the power to have courage, but revelation also helps us overcome. It helps us overcome. Yeah, we have this very interesting relationship with suffering. If I said right now, hey, if you're in here today, I want you to come down front if you just want more suffering in your life. Come on, come on now. Get down here to the front. People ain't coming down here for that. I ain't coming down there for that. Because suffering's not fun. Suffering's hard. And I think sometimes when we're in a moment of suffering... We start saying, why, God? Why have you done this to me? Why would a good God cause bad things to happen to good people? Why, why, why? And there's nothing wrong. I don't think God has a problem with those questions because it's an opportunity for him to reveal himself to us. However, what if we just changed that? When we're suffering, what if we said, what do you want to teach me about who you are during this time of my life? I believe suffering takes us to a wall that if we will allow God to reveal himself, I believe we will have a deeper understanding because suffering brings a depth 
that the regular aspect of life can't bring to us. When I think of suffering, I think of this idea uh, in, um, uh, in the Bible where it just talks about the idea that there's going to be bad things that happen, but God is here for us so that we can overcome. There's a guy in the Bible that when you think of suffering, if, if you look up his name, it would be the definition would be suffering, and his name is Job. Job lost everything he had, all of his family, all of his people that worked for him, all of his flocks, hundreds and hundreds of the things that gave him his livelihood. He lost everything. But you know what? He never disowned God. He never renounced God because he had enough of God revealed in who he was in his life that he didn't renounce him. However, he did express to God how he felt about the whole situation. He said, hey, man, things like, I, why don't you just go to kill me? I don't deserve to be around during this. And then the last, this is 42 chapters. So if you want to read about 37 chapters of suffering, go read Job. You get to the last few chapters and God finally talks. He hadn't talked the whole time. And God takes those few chapters near the end to reveal more of who he is to Job. He says things like, hey, Job, who created this? Who created those animals? Who did this? Was it you, Job? Didn't think so. And he reveals himself in a new way such to the point that when we get to the last chapter, verse 42, Job responds back in verses 5 and 6, and he says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job is saying right here, hey, look, I knew who you were just because I had heard of you, but now I've gotten a deeper revelation of who you are because I've seen you. And because of that, I repent for allowing my emotions to get the best of me and lead me down a path that were even, you know, questioning your power and your ability and your authority. And so I'm going to repent and I'm going to overcome those emotions and I'm not going to live in that space anymore. And do you know that when he did that, it says God restored everything that had been taken away from him twofold? I often wonder if Job hadn't come to that moment of realizing who God was and overcame his emotion and his hurt and pain and let that stop letting that get in the way of who God is, I oftentimes wonder if everything would have been restored to him like it was restored to him. When Jesus walked this earth, a lot of the Jewish people had heard the king, of, the king was coming. They would have a king that would come and would, would just make everything great and set them free. A, a lot of the people, when Jesus walked the earth, thought he was going to be a king on earth. They thought that he was going to go and conquer the Romans and that the Jewish people would have authority again, victory on earth. We have it. Jesus didn't come to conquer people and lands. Jesus came to conquer death so that you and I could overcome. And when we get a revelation of who he is, then we will be able to overcome. Here's what it says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. There it is. It's telling us we're going to have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Whenever we get a revelation of who God is, we begin to get more courage. 
And then we also are able to tap into things like the overcoming power whenever we're going through tough times. But the last thing and the last weapon that we get is revelation gives us hope. Revelation gives us hope. Now, when I think about hope, um, my, my mind kind of echoes to the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that says, in all things, in all circumstances, give thanks. And that's tough. Try to go through your day for a little bit and thanking God for everything. When you hit that traffic in the morning, God, I thank you for this traffic, <laughs> this moment to sit and reflect on life. When that person does you wrong, God, thank you for what they said about me on social media, either directly or indirectly. I appreciate them talking trash about me. Get to that place. It's hard to get to that place when we don't have the hope that God desires us to have in our life. Romans uh, 15 verse 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. What that verse is saying is that all of God's word is there to encourage us over time so that we can have hope. That we have to get a revelation of who he is and what his word says about who he is in order for us to really build up and have the hope that when we are in that challenging moment or somebody's done something to us, that we can be thankful in all circumstances. That we can have a hope when things aren't great or when they are great. God wants to reveal to us who he is and he wants us to get to a place when it comes to hope that we're like what it says in Psalms 130 verse 5. It says in that psalm, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits and in his word I put my hope. Miracles will happen and will take place in your life and my life. And it's the what is going to look great and it's going to reveal who God is. But I encourage you and I encourage myself today. Let's not just stay with the what. Let's really begin to discover the who. Because the who is the thing that's going to sustain us again and again and again and again. But if we just chase the what, eventually that'll fade away. There were a lot of people that used to show up and follow Jesus and to see miracles. They were infatuated with the what. And it revealed who God was and who Jesus was. But it's interesting, when I read the Bible, it doesn't sound like a lot of those people that were following him to see the what were there when he was going to the cross to die. They actually, a lot of them, were the ones that were like, yeah, it was a cool time, but let's just kill him. He didn't come for what we wanted. That's because he's not here for what we want. Because our ways seem right, but they'll lead to destruction. If you will, stand to your feet with me. And as you stand, if you'll just take the moment and just, just honor this moment by closing your eyes, I want you to just self-reflect. And I just have a question I want to ask you today, a simple question. God wants to reveal himself and who he is to you. He wants you to understand that going through life trying to figure things out or trying to get things right on your own, that it will never happen. You'll just continue to just lead to that destruction. 
Actually, that verse in Proverbs, that verse 12, it's, it's really ultimately talking about this eternal perspective that we have a way that seems right, but it's a wide road that everybody's taken. And there's a narrow road that when we get a revelation of who God is, then we won't have to experience eternal death in hell. We'll actually have a relationship with God and we can be in heaven. And once we do that, it allows us to give him, him, him an opportunity to reveal himself to us in all areas of our life so that we don't find just the areas of our life being destroyed. Today, if you haven't accepted a relationship with him, you, haven't, you have never said, God, I realize you revealed yourself in your son Jesus. He died for me and he rose for me. And you want a relationship with me right where I am. If that's you and you feel like in this moment, God's revealing, hey, you need to change that about your life. I just want to give you a chance to let him know that you're going to change that and start that relationship. And I want you to do that by raising your hand right now. If you want that relationship with God, just raise your hand up. I see your hand. Thank you, sir, for raising your hand. I see your hand, young man. Over here on the left, thank you for raising your hand. In the back, ma'am, thank you for raising your hand. Young man, thank you for raising your hand. I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you. See another guy in the back. Thank you for raising your hand. You can put your hand down. Thank you for honoring God and responding to him because he's talking to you and he's revealed something to you. Now, if you're here today and you, you have that relationship uh, and maybe there's just one of these areas, whether it's this idea of courage, overcoming, or hope, that you feel like, man, God, you revealed something to me today that I need to keep allowing you to reveal and I need to keep staying tuned into you because I need to grow in those areas. I need that. If that's you and there's just an area, I just want you to lift your hand up. I'm going to pray for everybody here. So, all right, a lot of hands. Thank you all for, for honoring God with what he's revealed. You can put your hand down. Say a prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, all of you, specifically if you raised your hand to start that relationship. If you have a relationship, everybody just join in. Say it real loud. Let's celebrate through how, how loud we hear our voices saying this to God. Say this. God, I love you. Thank you for the hope you bring. You sent Jesus to die for me and be raised from the dead for me. You conquered death so that I could have courage to live through your word and by your voice I accept it today come into my life I need to have a revelation of you in the gaps of life where I want to do what I want to do but that leads to death so I want to do what you want to do help me see the who above the what in Jesus name amen y'all give God a hand